That's what we'll start. Now, you'll notice from the title, this is a new series. This is how it begins. Does that sound ominous and awesome at the same time? Like, ooh, you're like, oh, well, the beginning of the year, yes. But there's something bigger coming than a new year. And uh, I'm so excited about it. I understand that uh, as uh, the, the pastors in Estes, uh, all of the churches that believe that Jesus is God, and that he's the Messiah, uh, and that we are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, all of us that believe that the Bible is actually the inspired word of God, there's seven churches in town that, that have that. We meet together every week as pastors and we pray with one another and for one another and for each other's churches. And, and that's been 20 years in the making, building unity, right? And, and God is doing amazing things. And, and I know that our church, for since we've been around 20 years, have been praying for God to bring his gospel into this community. And, and we recognize that we need to do that together. Well, uh, one of the things that we did a couple of years ago is uh, we finally brought in a youth pastor for the community, and we started the hub and the huddle. And so it's a community-wide youth ministry. And in that, all the churches, we ended up paying a salary for a guy named um, James Carnell. He's one of the pastors, um, and uh, he, that's what he does now. And that has given us amazing access even into the schools and amazing insight what's happening into the schools because he's there all the time. And, and uh, something that uh, he comes in, and every week we're praying, and and a few months ago, uh, he came in. He said, you know, we really be praying for our students and our teachers in the schools because uh, right now the teachers and the administration have noticed there's a lot of students right now that are really struggling with suicidal ideation, self-harming, uh, with depression. Um, and uh, there's a lot of, not only that, that's not bad enough, there's a lot of parents that the school district is recognizing they're struggling with depression and addictions and divorce and, and there's a lot of that happening right now and if that wasn't enough a lot of the teachers right now are really struggling there's a weight there's a heaviness there's a darkness that's, that's really hit our, our schools and uh, so we need to pray for this in fact not only that the schools have recognized as such a, a unique and a strange problem that they're bringing in experts from outside and they're forming kind of a task force to figure out how are they going to address this and help support the students and the parents and the teachers and because James is Pastor James is part of this uh, this group. He gets to be the the voice for the faith community and, and part of it. We have an inside ear onto this. And so he said, you know, we need to pray and support um, what's going on. And so we did. As pastors, we've been praying for this. But not only that, it was amazing how when you ask God, you stop telling God what you want him to do, but you start asking God, what do we do? How things start to change. And uh, it became pretty evident. I mean, God's spirit was like, you know, there is a, there is a, a our enemy wages warfare. And there is a battle going on right now, and it has been for a long time. And there's a darkness that that's just descended. It's not just in the schools. We just know about it in the schools because we have somebody on the inside. There's something that's hit this Estes Valley, and it's been here too long. There are a lot of people that are up here that are living in depression and in darkness and hopelessness and with anxiety. And as pastors, we recognize that we couldn't just tackle this by ourselves. In fact, we need Christ. But we are his body, and so we're coming together. And starting in January, the middle of January, there's a series that we're putting together. It's called One Voice. And every church of these seven churches will be going through this together. All the Christians, that is 20% of the Estes Valley population, by the way, are going to be unleashed in this. And we're not going to wage warfare. We're waging peace fair in this community. And it's going to be an amazing thing. But not only that, uh, as we prayed about it and said, how are we going to do this? Uh, I have the spiritual gift of encouragement. I don't know if you've ever noticed that about me, but... 
It's just what God's given me. And so uh, that's, that's the portion that I get to bring in is how are we encouraging the body of Christ to get off of the sidelines into the game because it's hard. That's the message. So, so they tasked me. The They said, you have a message there. We want you to come to our churches and to bring this message. Well, you know what? Pastor James uh, uh, has a message for us. Uh, you know what? The, uh, Pastor Hal from Mountain View has a message for us that God has laid on his heart heavy for the community and the churches in Estes Valley. Uh, Pastor Jess from, from Rocky has a message that God has put on his heart for the, for the body of Christ, not just his church. Uh, uh, Pastor Steve from Park Fellowship has a message for us uh, that God has laid heavy on his heart for the churches, so he's going to be coming. Pastor Mike Descoli from, from Summit has a message for us. And you know what we're going to do is this, starting in, in the middle of January, I get to go to the different churches and I get to, but you'll also, I'll be gone. So the other pastors will be here. So be nice to them. Um, you won't see me for a while. But it's because we're coming together as the body of Christ in the Estes Valley to wage peace on this community. We're going to bring light into this community. There's a hopelessness that's going to be broken with hope. We're going to bring, we're going to bring joy where there's depression and despair. And we're going to do that in a unique way. We're going to do it the way that Christ has called us to do it. It's going to be an amazing thing. And and you know what? We're going to wage peace, but our enemy wages war. And so we have to prepare ourselves for this. In fact, we see in Scripture, it tells us so clearly in Scripture that there's a real enemy that's out there, and it isn't other people. There's an enemy out there that that comes against us. It's the powers and principalities of darkness that are out there. And and it's really the Lord of darkness. That's who we're going toe-to-toe with. And that could cause us some anxiety, too, if we think about that. He's pretty smart, pretty powerful, uh, pretty patient. But we're going to go and we're going to defeat him because it's not us that's going to defeat him. We're going to be going in the power of Christ. We're going to be doing it together. But in order to do this, we need to prepare. Do you remember uh, when... uh, there was the build-up to the invasion in, in Iraq. Do you remember that? Because that was like one of the most modern military things. Or, or the invasion for Normandy way back in World War II. Okay. That just didn't happen, did it? It wasn't just like one day the generals woke up and said, hey, let's go. Right? There was preparation. The, the troops needed to be prepared. There was, there was things that had to get done. You know that how God wages peace in this world is very similar. When he sends us into an area with love, there are things that he tells us to do to prepare and to get ready for that. And when we skip those steps, we're underprepared, and then we get into trouble. So these next two weeks, we're going to be preparing ourselves for what God is about to do in this community, what God has called us to do in this community. And so this is what we'll be spending the next two weeks, and it's fasting and prayer. And you say, oh, that doesn't sound fun, but there it is, and it's powerful. We're talking about this week. So today we're going to talk about prayer, which is essential. And our memory verse today that comes to us is from Philippians 4, 6. A little history on this, this verse. The book of Philippians was written by Paul in the year eighty sixty. okay? And that's, uh, uh, that's when he was in prison, Roman prison, for falsified charges. That's where he was, okay? And he writes to this church that he planted years ago, way earlier. And the church realized the gospel and they started practicing. This is like one of the happiest of all of the epistles, the letters that Paul writes. And it's so encouraging, despite what seemed to be a horrible circumstance for the church. One of the greatest apostles in prison. And he was saying, oh, is God off his throne? And we lost the battle. And he writes to them and says, far be it from that. No. 
And he tells them we need to come together to be unified. God is doing something powerful. And by the time we get to Philippians 4, 6, he gets to this point and he talks to them about the things. He warns them not to get sidelined by this world. Don't get sidelined by your circumstances. Don't get sidelined by anxiety. In fact, he talks about people that, that came to faith early and they, and they were engaged. And then the things of this world became so important to them. All the anxieties of this world became so important to them that they, that they lost their purpose and their way. He says, don't let that happen to you. And then he gives us some very practical piece of advice, which was inspired as to how we can stay the course, how we can go into this battle and actually overcome. And this is what he tells us. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And that's going to be our memory verse. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about today in our message. All right. So let's bring up that next passage here, prayer. Prayer is a powerful thing. Um, We cannot go into this without being prayed up. Okay, it's very important. We see time and time again in Scripture how uh, when God does amazing things, God's people are, are there engaging in prayer. And there's a reason for that. If we don't engage with God, then what will happen is it's just us out there. And I will tell you this, that the dark Lord is more powerful than you or me, but he is not more powerful than God. Right. And so we need to engage with God. We need to prepare ourselves and our community for what God's going to do. And so that's why we're going to be engaging in this. Now, the, our verse today, if you just bring that up, is, uh, you just memorize this. This is, teaches us a lot about this prayer, okay? We want to make sure we stay the course. We're going toe-to-toe with a, a mighty foe. We're going to be doing something huge. But not only that, I think in our own life, uh, we have to make sure that ourselves, that we ourselves are ready and prepared. Because oftentimes, if we are not ready ourselves, then when we, uh, when we get in there, we're not going to actually be doing what we need to be doing. You ever had a day where you're just totally distracted by something totally different than what you should be thinking about, right? And then you try to do a task and you're not thinking about it and you just make stupid mistakes. That's kind of what will happen. You need to make sure that we're ready. And so this passage, the very first line of this where he tells us, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, a lot of times people read that, and they read that in the wrong way. They read it like it's a commandment, right? Don't steal, and it's like they stole. They're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I feel very guilty, right? Well, well, oftentimes you're like, don't be anxious, and then you get anxious about being anxious because you're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be anxious. Right? That's, not, that's not what the heart of that is. When you say don't be anxious about anything, it's like, it's like a person that's hungry that's sitting at a huge buffet table, like all yummy food about, and somebody's next to him and says, don't be hungry, Right? And you can be anxious all you want to as a Christian. God still loves you. You know, it's not like tons of guilt or whatever. It's just silly. There's a reason that we have, we don't have to be anxious. But I will tell you this, anxiety is what sidelines more Christians than probably anything else. In fact, it's what sidelines more people than most anything else. Have you seen all the reviews of 2015? You've seen like the year-end caps, so many people like just filled with anxiety. What's the darkness that's on our community? Isn't it tons of anxiety, kids struggling with all kinds of stuff? What's the root of this? Isn't there anxiety there? Well, families and the pressure of the teachers, that we're struggling, we're a community, we are a culture that is riddled with anxiety. To bring light into this community, to bring peace in, is going to drive anxiety out. And I want you to hear this. This is an amazing thing, that God has a way to be free from anxiety, from anything. And this is written from a guy that's sitting in a Roman prison. 
You understand that there's, we have the power to overcome anxiety about anything. I mean, there's no, no reason to be anxious. That's a powerful thing for us. Because even right now in your own life, you may have showed up to church today because there are bad things maybe you're struggling with. Maybe you've gotten anxious about money. Maybe you're anxious about your relationship at home. Maybe you're anxious about your health. Uh, there's a bazillion things. Maybe you're anxious about this next year, the terror and all the other stuff that's been going on, the crazy things, all the politics and the crazy thing. That's, that's going to be a fun year, isn't it, with all the TV ads? I mean, maybe you're anxious about that. I don't know. But I will tell you this. If Christians, if we, are, if we are held captive by our anxiety, it's going to be really hard for us to go out in this community and love people, isn't it? It's going to be really hard for them, for them to hear that we are ambassadors of the Prince of Peace if in our own lives we are filled with anxiety, right? I'll tell you, this is passage. This, this is not just a fairy tale nifty talk. This, last, this passage became my, my theme passage for my last year. There was lots of opportunities for anxiety last year and I was getting hit by things and I was struggling with it and and I was just feeling lots of tension and anxiety and then one day I was driving somebody down to uh, the airport and, and it was in the summertime and, and I was going down the canyon on the way back and uh, God brings his verse to mind and I was like no I don't want that verse I wanted to tell God how lousy things were that's what I wanted to do and so I want you know sometimes you get that, that sick enjoyment of being anxious you're like oh. so so he brings this to my mind and I was like oh why don't be anxious about anything so I was like so I went home and I look it up and I'm like all right all right how do I do this how do I not be anxious about anything and I said you know what God I don't like what this is telling me to do but I'm going to apply it. I'm going to see if it works. And I was testing him kind of like, this is not going to work. I'm going to be anxious about things, even if I do this. It was kind of my attitude because I'm a stinker. And I started to apply it. And there's a promise at the end of this that became very real in my life. And I will tell you, there's power in this. And I think God allowed me to go through that because we as the church need to go through that. We need to free ourselves from anxiety so we can get about the amazing thing that God's about to do in our community. So it starts with this. What are you anxious about? It doesn't mean that it's not valid. This world has bad things in it, right? Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. It does, God's not saying that, you're, that say everything is peaches and cream. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that in the midst of those things, we have to take, do something with our anxiety. And instead of stewing on it, he tells us to do something. Next thing he says, but in everything, all things. Now, I don't care if it's your relationship or it's a small thing or if it's, you know, maybe it's just like internal anxiety about, you know, just not liking the way that your life is or if it's finances or if it's something big. I, it doesn't matter in everything. God cares. In fact, he invites us. It tells us in Scripture, Jesus says, bring to me all of your concerns. All of them. That's the big things and the little things. He can carry them and he wants to. We have a God that that's, that's that loving. We have a God that's that powerful. We have a God that is that engaged in your life that he even knows about those things. And he says, I will take them on and I will do something about them. In fact, our God said, you know what? Everybody in this world is anxious about and they live their whole lives as anxiety about survival things. What they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, where they're going to live, what they're going to wear. Doesn't that occupy the minds of, of most people? It doesn't have to be that way with us. Doesn't your heavenly father, doesn't he know you and your needs? 
Does he care for you and love you far more than he cares for nature? And certainly that's taken care of. Our God cares for us, and so we can step beyond anxiety. And it causes us to live in an area that's outside of our comfort zone, an area called faith. But in everything, we can live in faith. Because we know that our God has overcome this world. We know that this world is a vapor and it is passing away so quickly. We know that very soon, someday, we will be toasting something very tasty on my veranda out there in heaven in my beautiful mansion that you're all welcome to come to. And it's going to be very fantastic. And that's a party that doesn't have to end. Right? There's a day coming where we'll be a thousand years removed from this world. And, and we will barely probably even have to think about it anymore. There's a day that's coming that we'll be a billion years removed from this world. And we will, uh, it'll be phenomenal. There's a time coming, a bigger reality that we are already a part of and living today. And that means that our God has overcome. And that means that in this world, there's nothing too big, too scary for him. And that means in everything, every circumstance, when I start to feel anxiety, when I start to feel depressed, when I start to feel down, that is the time to go to God. When I start to feel guilty, when I start to feel like a failure, when I start to feel too small, that's the time to go to God in everything. And I started to practice this. And it's amazing how often I go to God. And then I started realizing I started to go to God also in my strength when I started to think that I had things under control. Because that's a scarier thought. Right? You're like, yeah, Aaron, you had it in control. You should be going to God. Right? That's, it's amazing how often we begin to go to God. And what do we do? How do we go to God? He tells us by prayer and petition. There, we go to God and we talk to him. Our God is a God that created us in his image. And we understand relationship, how to relate to God, oftentimes how we relate to one another. Right? We talk, right? Isn't that the hardest part about traveling around the world is that you don't speak the language? And you try to talk to somebody, and you're like, I don't know what they're saying. And it, it breaks down communication. Well, you know what? God speaks our language. He wrote it. In fact, Jesus, when he came into this world, he even called himself the Word. And he says, talk to me. I want to hear about you. And I want you to hear from me. That's what prayer is. It's a two-way conversation. And so sometimes in prayer, it's, it's saying, God, this is what I need. Sometimes it's, it's, God, what do I need? Let me hear from you. In fact, uh, Matthew 6 is an amazing portion of Scripture with Jesus, the Word, right? The greatest revelation of God that we've been able to see. He shows up and he says, this is how you could commune with God. And he gives us what we hear the Lord's Prayer. It's a sample prayer. It tells us these are the things you can talk to God about. This is how you approach him. And he starts, he says, you know, you talk to you. We actually talk to our Father who is in heaven. That is an amazing thing. We talk to God on the throne, and we shouldn't forget that. That changes the level of confidence I have about his ability to handle things. Right? I don't talk to you know, the janitor at, at Target. It's like, oh, janitor in Target, please help me with this big problem. And you're like, I don't know what to do. I talk to God. God Almighty, who actually has the ability to do something. And then he reminds us that we get to honor his name, that he is worthy of honor. And I get to talk to him when I, about his kingdom coming. That his way actually happening on this earth, just like it happens in heaven. And some days that's different than other days. Some days his kingdom coming to earth, is, you know, it's, it's like, God, help me be nice to this person. Right? Help me show them grace because that's how it's done in heaven and I don't feel like giving this person grace. So help me. Help me forgive. Because you're in heaven, forgiveness happens. Right? So help me forgive. 
Sometimes it's, God, help me have courage because God is a courageous God and his kingdom of God advances in heaven. It's already there. And I say, God, help me do that here. The way the kingdom of heaven happens on this earth is different. Sometimes it's, God, help me resist this thing, this temptation that has been dogging me for so long. Help your will happen in my life right now. And sometimes it's prayer for other people like that. God, deliver them of this addiction or this brokenness or this darkness or this heaviness. Bring encouragement. Open their heart to the gospel. Your kingdom come. And it's not me bringing it. It's God bringing his kingdom. I get to talk to him about that and his will being done. And then I get to bring those next things, the petitions, my requests. God wants to know what we need. Not that he doesn't know what we need. In fact, Matthew 6, it says, don't be like pagans who like, treat God like he doesn't know. So they repeat things over and over and over again like, hey, give us food. Hey, give us food. Hey, give us food. Hey, would you love to have a kid like that? And you're like, no, here's some food. He says, I already know what you need, but he wants us to ask. Because it gauges us, it gives us dignity in the portion, but also lets us see his hand. Because if God provided everything we needed with ever asking, then we would think that we're the ones that did it, wouldn't we? Because we're very prideful people. So if God just made things happen and we, we just didn't have to ever engage God, he just did his part and we just went around and everything just turned around great, we would think, we are very powerful people. We would take credit for God. You know we would. And so we get to buy petition. We get to ask him. And, and, and we get to talk to him and it's everything isn't it cool that God doesn't have a checklist today? Don't talk to me about these things. Like he said, I want to hear from you. If this is on your heart, I want to hear from it. So you can bring it to him. Now, sometimes we ask for the wrong things. In fact, it tells us in the scripture, sometimes we don't get what we ask for because we ask for the bad things. Or we ask for the wrong motives. Well, nothing like talking with God to help reveal those motives. And he says, sometimes we don't get what we are are asking for because we don't have faith. And that's why the next one is so important with Thanksgiving. I will tell you this last summer, as I started to practice this particular thing and I started to really apply it into my life, this was the hardest because I was going through things that caused anxiety and it's hard to be thankful for things that cause anxiety, isn't it? Like, Lord, thank you for this horrible problem that I can't seem to fix. That's great. And I tried to at first. I tried to be really spiritual because, you know, I'm a pastor, so I'm supposed to be kind of, but you know me better than that. But I tried. And I was like, okay, God, thank you for this. this, this I, I know that you're working in it. And then I was like, no, I don't thank you for this. This stinks. So how am I going to be thankful? i got to be honest with God because he knew my heart. And so, so I began thinking about it. and said, God, what on earth can I be thankful for right now? Because when you have a problem, like when you slam your thumb with a hammer, you don't think that all your fingers or other fingers are, are fine. You're not like, I'm so grateful the rest of my fingers don't hurt. All you think is like, my finger, my thumb hurts, right? So I was in that mode. And I was like, God, what can I be thankful for? And then the only thing I could be thankful for at the time is I was like, God, you're powerful. I'm thankful for who you are. I'm thankful that you're actually better than it appears that you are right now. That was a real prayer. God, I'm thankful that you're eternal. I'm thankful that you sent Jesus and you died for my sins so that I'm forgiven for what I'm talking to you about right now. Right? I thank that you rose again. I thank that you gave me hope. And you know, when I started to be thankful, we sang this song today, I come into your presence. We remember every blessing that you poured out so freely from above. We sang those words. I can't remember all the blessings he poured out so freely from above because there's just too darn many of them. But I had to start somewhere, and I started with God. I'd be thankful for who he is, just his very nature, his character, what he has done for us. And I began with that. And so I have these problems. They got up going through this thing and I'm asking you for help in it, but I'm going to be thankful that you are powerful enough to handle it. 
And those were hard words to say. But I knew they were true. And you go with thanksgiving, and with thanksgiving it reminds us of who our God is. That I'm not just praying to a wall. There is a powerful, powerful God who cares deeply and is at work in me. And then I'm not like a wave in the ocean just tossed about to and fro, it says in Scripture, because now I'm starting to pray in faith. I'm not just asking God about things saying, well, if it happens, then I'll have lots of faith in knowing that you have a control. And if it doesn't happen, then I'm going to have weak faith because I don't know because that's really not praying in faith. When I ask him about it, I know it's going to happen. Now, it doesn't always happen how I ask. What I mean is I know that it's handled. Let me give you a real example of this. Let's make it real. My wife's been sick for a long time and it bothers me deeply to my core. Okay, does. Bothers her too. You've prayed. We've prayed. Lots of people prayed. We asked God about it for the longest time. Like, God, you're a big old fat meanie that she's sick. But then I realized the truth by Thanksgiving. My God is powerful. And my God is about something far more important than my wife's comfort. And if God is allowing my wife to be sick, he's doing something. That's what the word said. He's promised it. And I know that she's sick today, not because it's like some accident now. We've asked him. If I didn't ask him, she could have stayed sick. It would have been needless because he says he lets us suffer things we don't ask. I asked him. We asked him. She's sick right now because there's something bigger that's happening. And I will tell you, we've baptized how many folks this year? How many folks from the hospital have joined our church this year? There's a testimony. There is a light that has been burning in that hospital bed over and over and over again, faithful. God is bringing his kingdom. And he will use suffering and he will use joy. But you know what? I have faith now when I talk to him. And I have faith in this, that if it's ever time for for that witness to be done, she'll be fine. She'll be healthy. But until it happens, we just pray for faithfulness. That's the difference. I don't believe God is weaker now because he didn't answer me how I asked. I get to say, how is he answering? And then I get to see, okay, this is where I need to put my faith and trust. And and all of a sudden, I stop fighting against him. And we start embracing the call. And then God starts doing amazing things. You see, with thanksgiving unlocks that. So don't miss that portion. I know it's hard, but don't miss that. Then we do this. Then we present your requests to God. We present them. We go to God and we get to talk to him. And I'll tell you, I practiced this whole thing. And it was, well, it was a couple weeks in, about three weeks in. And I was still just as anxious. And, and, and I was like, ah, but I'm tenacious. And so I was like, all right, well, so I continue. I was like, God, I'm going to do this. And I'll tell you, about a month and a half into it, I started to get this strange thing. And, and Zach will tell you, because I was very honest. We, we walk around the lake, right? And I was telling him about this whole process. So he got to go through the whole fun with me as we walk around the lake. I'm like, the first time I was like, ah, this is awful, right? And but we, we go through, and all of a sudden, I started to receive the promise that's in the next verse. And that next promise, I want you to see this promise is amazing. It says, once we do that other portion, then this happens. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I started to have a peace in my life. Now, understand this. That second line, which transcends all understanding, don't read past that too quickly. 
See, a peace that makes sense is a peace when you're in peace, right? When everything is good. It's like when you're walking through the park, you know, on a nice, beautiful summer day, and you see somebody, you know, sitting there on the bench just reading a book or whatever, and they're just perfectly at peace. You know, you're not like, how do you do it? (laughs) Right? You're not so amazed that somebody has peace when everything's going good in their life, are you? When you're in the middle of peace, it makes sense to have peace. That doesn't transcend understanding. That makes perfect sense. But God gives us a peace that transcends understanding, which means that he's not sending us into peace. He's sending us to wage peace in the middle of a war. Right? That's the powerful thing. My circumstances didn't change, but all of a sudden I wasn't riddled with anxiety. I could sleep at night. My back didn't hurt. It's great. Right? All of a sudden, there was a confidence in my life. I could see God there. And I was like, you know what? I'm part of something bigger. There was a hopefulness and an optimism knowing that this world is going to end and the next one's surely coming. Jesus is coming back and I'm part of it. There was a peace that I started to live and then other bad things started to happen, right? And it didn't rock me to the core. Not the angst in my stomach. God, where are you? Not there anymore. There's a different way of living. It's a different kind of way to be human and it's great. Without I'll tell you a little secret, nobody in this world lives in peace, right? But we can have peace. A peace that does not, is not subject to our circumstances anymore. God is calling us to that. And I firsthand am experiencing it. And it took a while. But it's there. Now I'll tell you this, that a peace surpasses understanding, guards your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. I'm not becoming derailed by my circumstances, by my, right? I'm not like, God, you're allowing tough things to happen. Where are you? You must be too weak, right? My heart and my mind are guarded. I'm not going to fail this race. I'm going to continue through, and we're going to finish that, this thing, right? We're going to finish it, and we're going to finish it well. But it also means I'm not afraid of the storm anymore. When you see the bad things looking looming in my life, the big dark clouds starting to come, I don't get the panic because I know my God carries me in peace and in storm. And he's not, he's not contingent. His ways are not contingent upon other things. He is God and he will take care of his own. And so I have peace. And you see, the storm is just another way for me to see God come into my life. And I tell you, that sounds so churchy but it's not it's a real thing there's a different type of thing so i'm able to go into the storm and to stand and you know what god is calling us as a church in estes park to go into the storm of darkness that is that is riddled and and held captive our community for too long we have to be able to go into this community and tell you what we're gonna have to love people that aren't going to love us back that's what jesus said don't be surprised that they don't love you they don't love me but he tells us to go love them anyway I'm going to have to go and I'm going to have to forgive people for the nasty things that they do that I don't want to forgive, but I'm going to have have the ability to do that. You know, there's an enemy out there. He's a rat. He's awful. The the devil, he does all kinds of nasty stuff. I'm not afraid of what he can do because my God has us. We have to, as a community, as a church, be willing to go into this community in love and not react to the hatred and despair and and all those types of things that are out there. We need to go in peace, which starts with you, right? In your own life, right now, where's the anxiety? I'll tell you, I, there's a bazillion reasons for it. And you're probably sitting this morning, you're probably like, man, I've got 
thousand reasons for anxiety. I've got this thing that's riddling me. If you're not walking in peace right now, it's going to be really hard for us as the church to join the rest of us to go into our community and wage peace. This is why we're doing this sermon now, a couple weeks before we even start the One Voice series. We need to go to God and do business with our own hearts with God so that God can bring you peace right now. Even if your circumstances don't change, you could know peace. You can have that. The anxiety can go away. And that's what's going to give you the ability to stand firm in faith in this community. It's going to be its own testimony. Because isn't it strange when you see somebody going through something very hard and they're not rocked to the core? Doesn't that tell you there's something different going on inside of them? Isn't that itself a testimony? We need to have that. You need to have that. And so how do we begin? How do you start with this? Well, I'm going to encourage you, invite you to do what I did. We're going to start applying scripture. (gasps) It's going to be great. (laughs) It's hard. And I will tell you that so often I have to come back to these passages because anxiety comes back again like the storm comes. I'm like, I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong. Ah! And then I read the passages and I start start applying it again. I'm like, okay, God, you're, you're good. We got this. You got this. I'm with you. And I start to apply it. And I tell you, the peace is there. So this is what we need to do. We train ourselves. We're going to prepare ourselves to wage peace in our community. And so there's ways that you can start even this week. And so to do that, I have some suggestions on the back side of this connection card that I've done for you. So I'd like you to take that out and look on the back and some things that you can do. The first thing that I would encourage us all to do is to memorize Philippians 4, 6. Because I will tell you this, we're not just walking into a storm. We're kicking sand into the eye of the devil. Okay? We're very clearly, very boldly saying to the devil, your time here is done. We're claiming us as part for, for Jesus Christ. We're going to come in and we're going to bring peace here. We're going to make sure that anybody in Estes Park knows who Jesus is, what he has done for them, and how to follow him. We're going to talk to them about his sovereignty and his love and his kindness for them. We're going to make sure that the gospel permeates every single portion of this community until it's entirely saturated, every dark place being filled with light. That's what's going to happen. Well, I tell you, he's going to retaliate, isn't he? Yeah, there are going to be other things that are going to happen. He's going to try to trick you. He's going to try to make you so concerned about your own life that you think that you can't you can't uh, engage. He's going to try to show you all the bad things that God allows for you to have in your life or all the reasons why you shouldn't trust him. That's what he's going to do. That's what the devil does. You need to have the word of God in you. So when that comes, you won't fall. So take this passage and memorize it. Think about what it says. Get it into you. So that way you have this shield of faith about you so we can walk into this and bring light and hope and peace to our community. Maybe also as we pray, read Matthew 6. Jesus teaches us how to pray. Really cool. It's in Matthew 6. Maybe this week you say, I would like to learn how to pray. What does that mean? Read it. It's not hard, but it's great. What is it like? So maybe that's this week. You say, you know what? I want to hear from Jesus how he'd like us to approach him. Maybe that's what you do this week as we prepare. How about this? I would like us all, and this is an important thing. Let's pray for Estes. We need to begin praying for protection in Estes, but also I think we need to be praying that God starts breaking the darkness. We need to pray for our students that are in the schools, that God brings them hope, especially the ones that are, that are feeling like their, their lives are worthless. Pray truth that God shows them their value. Right? Pray courage for our, our, our teachers and mercy and grace for them. Pray encouragement for the families and for, for those that live in our community that are being broken apart. Pray for our community that God invades this area with, with his joy, with his love, with his truth. And I think at the same time, pray against the enemy. 
That's a fun thing to do. You can mess up the enemy by praying. I got a gift for somebody over Christmas, and, and as I was getting ready to, to stow it away so they would not see it, it fell over and shattered and shattered into lots of little pieces, the little glass shards of death, and I was in my socks. <laughs> and I, I didn't even tip it over, right? And it wasn't, an, it wasn't a demon I don't think tipped it over. I think it was just gravity. But nonetheless, I was mad, and I didn't know what to do. So I said, if there are any demons around here, you hear this lake of fire. <laughs> you have your laugh, but someday, <laughs> lake of fire, lake of fire, lake of fire. We've said enough, right? It taunt them. Because they have no power over you. I think we understand that we can pray that we put confusion in the enemy camp. That we take away their power. That we shut people's ears down from being able to hear them anymore. God has power and we will destroy the enemy. Start praying against them. You know, the coolest thing about this is you never see a dark bulb. You don't have like a room that's filled with light and you just put up a dark bulb and and it takes all the light away. It doesn't happen. Because light always overcomes darkness. And our God is a light. So we're going to pray light. So pray it. And you say, this week, we're going to pray for Estes. We're going to start there. Or how about this? Pray for the churches too. Because our enemy's no dummy. He knows how to break us apart. We're coming together in unity as the body of Christ. What is he going to do? Try to break us apart. How does he do that? All kinds of ways. He'll attack leadership. He'll attack me and my wife. Sickness. Scandal. Right? He does that sometimes. He could do ego. That's a great way of bringing disunity in the church, right? Have some pastors all of a sudden go to other churches and get ego. We don't want that. Pray against it. How about praying for the elders of the churches, including our church? Let's pray God's protection over them, God's wisdom over them. The enemy, he, he tricks us with deception, so pray God's truth. The truth would be known, that lies wouldn't be heard, that there wouldn't be gossip and disunity. Pray for the unity. Pray for the church. Let's come together and let's bathe our church and this community and this effort in prayer. And in this whole process, don't forget to ask God what he wants. What does he want for us to pray? Right? And don't forget to thank him for who he is. It's good stuff. You know, maybe there's something else that I didn't talk about that you know the Holy Spirit's telling you that, that you need to do. Put that on the other line. And uh, we'll, that's, uh, we'll, be, we'll be praying for you. God will help you fulfill that commitment. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior. All these promises about peace, they come first when we come to Jesus, when we're forgiven of our sins and we're unified with God. You need to have that. If you, are, if you want to have peace in your life, you have to come under the, the, uh, the authority of the Prince of Peace. And he will bring peace into your life. You have to do that. And if you've never done that, there's never a time in your life you said, you know, I've, I've made Jesus my Lord and Savior by, by his, his grace through faith. I've never come to a time, I can't remember, ever being baptized and being brought into a church and being discipled. If you haven't had that, then I invite you, let me know. Say, I'd like more information about starting a relationship with Jesus. And make sure that I have your contact information. I'll talk to you this week. We'll answer your questions. I'm sure you have lots of them. And if you want to make that step, we'll walk with you. I'll teach you. Well, how, do you how do you become a disciple of Jesus? And not only that, then we'll walk alongside you and help you grow as a disciple of Jesus. So uh, that's a great thing. Or maybe you just have a prayer request that you would like us right now to start joining you in. That's one of my favorite times of the week, every time I get to pray for for our church family. So if you have a prayer request, write that down and know that we're going to be lifting that request along with you to Christ. Now here in in a few minutes, we're going to take our offering. As the baskets are passed, you put your tithes and your offerings in there. I'd ask that you would uh, 
take this connection card or put it in the basket as well. And uh, make this also an offering of yourself, your heart to God. Before we do that, however, I would like to pray. Uh, we'd, uh, it's a great thing that we could do, get to talk to God. And what a great way to start this week of prayer, then praying. So I'm going to start us, and then if there's anything that you have on your heart that you'd like to voice, or maybe just pray in your heart, you're welcome to do that. So please join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, you are a timeless God. You are. You are eternal. You have no beginning, which blows my mind. I can't even comprehend how that's true, but I know that it is. And you have no end. And, and because of that, uh, Lord, we know that you're consistent, that you're not, uh, you're not shocked by history. You're not impatient. Uh, that, uh, God, that you are able to, uh, to weather any storm that you're not transient and you're not temporary and you're not short-term and you're not the flavor of the month and you're not just a religion that will come and go, that you are eternal and that you are worshipped in heaven by countless angels and saints and you are worshipped here on this earth by countless saints that are still living in the flesh. You are worthy and you are holy and you are amazing. And we come to you with confidence, not in ourselves and not in our own wisdom, but in you, knowing that, that you even told us that you built this church on the rock of Christ and that the gates of hell don't stand a chance against you. And in that, they don't stand a chance against us, so long as we're standing in you. So, Father, as your church, before we start this, this one voice, this battle against darkness... I pray that you would help us as your church family here in Estes to stand with you. Father, I pray for this church body. Lord, there's countless things that we could think of that could cause us to be anxious. As we end this year, as we look forward to a next year and all these things in our lives and the needs that we have and the brokenness that we see about us and the sufferings that we, we encounter. Father, we have lots of reasons for, true reasons for anxiety. But Father, you've said that we could be set free from that. So I pray that you would help us as a church. Help us, Father, to, to not be anxious about anything. Father, I pray that you would help us in all things to come to you with prayers and petitions and thanksgiving. Father, trusting you for who you are. I pray that you would give us your word and your will to pray. Tell us what to ask for. And God, in the midst, I pray, Lord, as we prepare for this, uh, this one voice thing, prepare our own hearts. Let us be people that experience your peace. I pray, Father, against the enemy who is going to try to tell people that this is just crazy or make them discouraged where like the first day they're not feeling peace. Father, encourage them. I pray, Father, help us to be tenacious in obedience and faithfulness to you as you bring peace into our very hearts and lives. And Father, in this, we pray that you're going to be glorified, that your kingdom will come, and that your will will be done right here in Estes Park, just as it is in heaven. And now, Father, I also, uh, as we uh, bring up the rest of our requests, as we as a body come to you in prayer, I thank you that you hear our prayers. Those that are spoken and shared and those that are spoken in the quiet of our own hearts, I thank you that you hear them I pray that you give us the faith to trust you with the answer. We ask that in Christ's name.
the relief and anxiety knowing that uh, you are sovereign and that nothing is too hard for you. Lots and lots of things are too hard for us. Nothing is too hard for you. And we thank you, Lord, that you come alongside us and you, and you, you let us lean on you upright and in the midst of that you give us joy and peace Lord sometimes it's easier said than done to release anxiety but Lord I, I just pray over each person in this church and in this community Lord that uh, they would find um, a, a freedom a find a, a extra strength to do well not not really us 